I'm Amarachi Crystal, and you're listening to Life by Amarachi Podcast, where I and my guests share our life experiences and inform you from an analytical and mental health perspective. Make sure you subscribe so you can stay up to date with new episodes I upload. Subscriptions are now on a monthly basis for as low as 99 cents per month to as high as $9.99 per month. Donations are also welcome through the support link on Linktree and Cash App. If you cannot financially support, share the podcast with your community to grow the podcast listenership. Don't forget to leave a comment or review and a voice message that can be highlighted on an episode. All subscriptions, donations, voice messages, and episode links will be in the show notes. How's everyone doing? How's everyone feeling? How's everyone's energy today? My energy is kind of low. Um, I think it's a physical thing. Um, It could be obviously perpetuated by a mental thing, but I think mainly is a physical thing. And I definitely want to get in front of that. Maybe I will just take like my nightly walks again because they are a little bit peaceful or even like do 30 minutes in the morning and then 30 minutes at night. So I think I'm going to incorporate that a little bit. Now that the seasons are changing, I have to be a little bit mindful of seasonal depression. You know, SAD, that's the acronym for seasonal depression. It's called Seasonal Affective Disorder. I'm trying to get in front of my symptoms when I start feeling them before it's too late and I'm already in a depressive mood. Depression really is intense for me. Um, It comes in bouts of seasonal affective disorder. It comes in bouts of situational depression or adjustment disorder. Knowing that I deal with all of these disorders, I want to be proactive about them. I had therapy this morning and a few of my therapy session, I've been like pleading with my therapist about being super, super frustrated of dealing with, you know, my mental health disorders. I'm like, is exhausting and oh, I'm getting choked up a little bit because not, I haven't really spoken to anyone, not even fully to my therapist about my suicide ideation. And um, I think I have to be honest about it, you know? I mean, oh, I do have to be honest about it because I do have intrusive thoughts that are so strong that sometimes it makes me believe that I don't need to be here. And it hasn't gotten to the stage of me, you know, putting action to thought, thank God, because I have been really active about my mental health, allowed me to have a lot more control over how serious my mental health is, you know, and some people might not see me and think I deal with, you know, a mental health disorder, but I do, or mental illness, I do. My therapist is always affirming me and telling me that I'm doing a good job, which I know that I am, you know, but I can't ignore the fact that I have thought about suicide throughout my life. At least the first time I've truly experienced um, depression. 
and the first time I could recall being really, really depressed, I I have thought about suicide. And I think the first time was I was probably 18 when I really, really thought about suicide. Um, and then again at 20, and then again at 20 something, and then again at 30, and now it's still in my mind. And I might have to do an episode on suicide ideation because I feel like it's really important to speak about and remove the stigma about that. Because the more awareness we have about it, we are able to kind of tend to it softly and not tend to it as this like disgraceful and you know damaging situation. When you bring things to light, I always feel it's better for people who have these experiences to feel hurt because not feeling hurt and feeling judged for how your mind works does a lot more damage than good. And knowing better helps. It's not a weakness to know better, to learn more, to widen your mental capacity of knowledge and information and even me showing myself compassion when these intrusive suicidal thoughts come in is is imperative to my mental health. And my session today was about me continually being compassionate to myself and showing myself and giving myself the tender love and care that I didn't get as a child, that I didn't that I didn't get as a teen, that I didn't get as a young adult, and I'm not getting now as an adult. So bringing that to light, I think, is going to be cathartic and healing for me. So maybe the next episode or the first episode of the new season, season 14, will be about suicide ideation. I really want to talk about it. But other than that, I mean, life is life in, you know, I am healthy, I'm, you know, alive, I have a job, you know, I have a roof over my head, I have food, and for those things, I am grateful to be here and I'm grateful to be alive. It's just sometimes they, the hardness really gets to me and I'm forever grateful for my spirit because my spirit and my dedication to myself and the love that I know that I have for myself is the reason why I'm here right now. It's not about anyone else. It's solely about me and the work that I'm doing to maintain a healthy and positive mental health. It does get hard. It does get frustrating. But I I also want to allow people to have space to take care of their mental health in the way that I'm taking care of my mental health. That is why I started a life coaching service. I don't have clients yet. Um, I want to at least have one client to work with so I could give them what my therapist is giving me. A safe space, a supportive space, a space of where I'm simply heard and not being told anything that is not beneficial to me. Um, yes, I'm grateful for the friends that I have as well, but it's different when you're talking to your therapist. It's absolutely different when you're speaking to your therapist about things because your therapist 
absolutely allows you the space to speak unapologetically, to speak without censorship, and to speak your heart and your mind and your soul. Friendships don't tend to do that. But I am grateful for the people that I know and the people that are in my life, that are in my corner. I'm grateful for the people who want to see me win to some capacity, at least the capacity that our society considers winning. I think I win every day just by being alive and not ending my life. So the other capitalistic wants and needs are not really my main focus they're just a part of living in a society in a world that we live in i'm battling something a lot different to what other people are battling and maybe i'm no different to them but my focus and my world is not solely centered on on climbing some kind of societal ladder i'm focused solely on making sure I'm mentally healthy and making sure everyone around me is also mentally healthy. That's really how you overcome a lot of the woes in life by being mentally strong and capable and in control. Oh, I didn't even expect to, (laughs) I did not expect to cry. Um, It just came out and I'm glad it came out. I'm really glad that that came out. And for one, I will never apologize for crying. I hate when people apologize for crying and you'll never see me apologize for crying. The most you will see me do is just say or speak out that, oh, I'm about to cry right now. I will say things like, I'm getting choked up. I will say things like, oh, a feeling is coming through, but I will never apologize for that feeling coming through. And I want to not allow the impression that my emotions has on other people to stop me from expressing them. They need to deal with how they are affected by my emotions. That's their work, their job, not mine. My job is to feel and be authentic to myself. And it's funny because my therapist told me today and affirmed me today and said, continue to be yourself, continue to be yourself. You're doing a good job. And I needed to hear that because today it wasn't enough for me to just tell myself that. I needed it to be recognized in someone else that even someone that really doesn't know me personally, you know, like my therapist is not in my everyday life. My therapist doesn't hang out and party with me, but based on how much I share with her, it's nice to be affirmed in that way. But yeah, um... (laughs) Let's get into what today's episode is about. Let's all take a nice deep breath. Count to six. Hold the breath for four and release on six. Do that one more time. Inhale on six. Hold on four and release on six. Ah, 
I just wanted to reset everyone from my emotional moment. And I think it's necessary to always reset after you've expressed yourself emotionally and allow your emotions to process on level. But to go into what today's episode is about, today's episode is about a Black man and his mental health. I want to kind of do a series on this, but we'll see how that pans out. But I had the pleasure of talking to King Kamayera. He is a spoken word artist and a creative who I met through the showcase I'm a part of that I helped curate called Speakeasy Go Hard. If you haven't heard about Speakeasy Go Hard, please check out my Instagram page to get more information about them. And I'll also put their Instagram page in the show notes. But King Camarera was one of the talent who came on our, I think it was our second showcase and performed a piece that really just spoke to me. And because of that piece, I thought it would be beautiful to have him come on to speak about mental health and his journey, especially because I feel as though a lot of Black men need to give themselves enough credit to seek support with their mental health and to have this young man be a black man who grew up in america to have him speak about his journey with mental health i think is really beautiful and a start to really giving voices to black men to speak about their struggles and their perspectives i know us women and some non-binary folks are in the front line when it comes down to their mental health. And some of us have also been affected by black men, especially cisset black men. So what I want to do is get in front of the problem by speaking to black men from all walks of lives about their experience in this world. Because like I said, I also want to be one of the people who creates a safe space for black men to to share their stories, to share their experiences, and have a voice that is unapologetic, that is uncensored, and especially one that benefits their mental health. And instead of shaming and damning Black men, yes, call out their influence, call out their position when it comes down to oppression within the Black community, call that out, absolutely, but also hear them out as well. We could do both at the same time. And this young man, a beautiful, beautiful young man, he's deserving of all of the blessings, honestly. And you will know why I say that by listening to our conversation. So let's get into it. I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, let them know who you are, your name, your pronouns, and the things that you do. I just want to say thank you first for letting me be a part of this podcast to talk about such an important topic. Um, I go by the name of King Kamayera. You know, usually my intro on stage is like, my name is King Kamayera. I'm not a writer. I'm not a poet. I'm just a beautiful black man with a voice. But you know, <laughs> I am a spoken word artist. Um, I've been doing spoken word for a little bit over a year now. I also work at uh, Madison Square Garden as well. That's like my, you know, daytime job. Um, my pronouns are he, him, and his. And yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. 
Nice. I met Kamayara because he he was um a talent in a showcase that I'm a part of called Speakeasy Go Hard, and he was one of the performers at Speakeasy Go Hard. He's been like supporting Speakeasy Go Hard for what this is our third show, and you were in the second one. Yeah, yeah I was in the second one. Yeah. I really appreciate the fact that you came out for that. But to go right into it, I mm -hmm. I definitely want to ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? And how's your energy? today uh, i love those questions i just want to say that i definitely <laughs> i appreciate those questions um i'm feeling good i'm feeling really good i'm feeling fresh i don't know if that's like a, an appropriate word to use but mm -hmm. you know i'm just now entering a new job it's a new environment that i'm getting used to um and it's actually a job like i've been like praying for for a while to work at such a prestigious um you know uh, marina um so i'm feeling good feeling fresh Right now, currently with this podcast, though, like I'm feeling a little bit nervous just because, you know, I'm not too big on not too big. I'm a fan of podcasts, but I haven't been on too many podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I know this is such a very this is an important topic. So I want to definitely make sure I speak on this. So, you know, I think I'm I'm, I'm a little bit proud of myself that I'm overcoming that, you know, um, the, those nerves, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm able to have this conversation about such an important topic. So. I'm glad that you're open to doing this honestly. It, <laughs> yeah, it's, sure. it was hard for me to find. Uh -huh. I mean, I won't say it's super hard because I didn't like dig or look really, really far. But the people that I asked that were black men that I know that wanted to be a part of this conversation, they just were like, no. Mm -hmm. And they all have really great, amazing input and experiences that they could share. But just, I guess, being vulnerable enough to share it to the, the yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, it's like, tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally understand that. It could be mm. very intimidating. But yeah. uh, well, I mean, thank you for participating. Thank you for yeah. being open enough to have a conversation with me about mm -hmm. this topic. Um, as far as me, I'm feeling okay, kind of a little mm. bit exhausted. I've talked enough today. And <laughs> <laughs> so like, now she's about to talk for an hour more. <laughs> I know, right? But then I, I, would, yeah. I know myself, once my heart is in it, I'm, I will always have something to say. So, okay. yeah. um, and I know that I could just crash after this, but I'm doing good as well. And my energy is kind of very very chill right now i'm just like mm. i'm winding down a little bit so um that's how that's how i'm doing over here but um to jump right into it first um i definitely wanted to talk about this for like a minute like mm. even after like 2020 and all the all the things that happened in 2020 i'm like mm. one i'm a proponent of like mental health in general mm. and, and i was part of like the clubhouse moment <laughs> in the early mm. 2020s yeah i remember and, that i remember right? that <laughs> clubhouse was pop it had a, like a little good era like a good like was, what yeah. was said. like yeah yeah honestly and and the bit of the bit of experience i had on there uh -huh. whenever i would mention like mental health especially on topics about like relationships and all these things it just seemed like it wasn't received you know um yeah so the way you want it to be received yeah, yeah like mm -hmm. if we're gonna be if we're, if we're having a, a forum everyone should be able to be heard and received and i don't mm -hmm. think and i don't think anyone was on there with intentions to like resolve the issues that we're dealing with you know mm -hmm. um and I've been trying to like um, find other ways to at least give voice to Black men to express themselves in the way that um, beautiful, beautiful. benefits, you mm -hmm. know, like benefits their mental health. 
Uh-huh. And because I I was able to hear your your um your spoken word, I was like, okay, this might be uh-huh. a good person to kind of like reach out to uh-huh. to, <laughs> to get yeah, to talk about sure. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for, sure, for um, sure. And I appreciate you um giving this platform for us, you know, black men to come on and talk about. It's really much appreciated. Yes. Uh-huh. No, absolutely. So um when did you like start writing and um when did you also start speaking mm. and doing spoken mm. words with poetry okay i love i love that you're asking this question again because i went on a podcast like you know like i said a year ago and somebody asked me this question and i was like jumping all over the place and i couldn't give them like a clear concise answer mm-hmm. so ever since then i was rehearsing what's the answer i'm gonna give <laughs> and say like okay this is how my spoken word journey started yeah <laughs> so i'm glad i'm probably still gonna mess up but you know i'm glad you know um, that you asked this question but um so it's funny when i was younger right um so i had a computer in my room and it was the first time i actually had access to like i remember the first time i discovered youtube mm-hmm. and i remember i came across just so many hip-hop songs so and it was all across the board, or and, and rock songs too, to be honest. Like you know, Fall Out Boy, All American Rejects. Mm-hmm. But I remember playing a lot of like Tupac, N.W.A., um, a lot of just old school hip hop. And for some reason, I was just obsessed with diss tracks. And mm-hmm. I would, I remember like going to school. I said, "Yo, I got this diss track memorized." And it, I don't, I don't know why I was obsessed with them. It was just like I guess the controversy behind it and everything like that, and the aggression mm-hmm. and everything like that. But even more so, like I would, I just loved. Going, coming home like I didn't go outside when I was younger that, that much so mm-hmm. I would love to come home and just go on YouTube and play music video music videos mm-hmm. like um, Mink Condition um I'm trying to think what whether yeah, like musicians are not coming in my head right now but like all types of music across the board so I remember just but over like the main source the main or the main genre I was listening to was hip-hop so you know mm-hmm. at that point I remember I was trying to rap myself so I remember, like, I had a whole notebook, and I remember I was to play, like, an old-school instrumental, and I tried to write to it, and I just could not flow to save my life. Oh, <laughs> so I was just really bad at flowing. But I had some lyrics, and then I had friends in my middle school, you know, we would, like, kind of, like, battle rap each other, like, on a friendly mm-hmm. competition thing. Um, and, you know, eventually, you know, I, so I just knew I had a thing for writing and rapping and I just loved music. Like literally sometimes I would wake up for school and the five minutes I had before I had to leave, I would just go on YouTube and listen to like songs like Weird Eye Yankovic, um, Chameleon Air, you see T.I., Akon, like, you know, all these artists. I just loved, loved music, but I realized I couldn't make it myself. <laughs> so I remember like just being a fan of hip hop for, for the longest time. Then when I really started writing poetry was 2016. I think it was about my junior year in college. It was actually after I came from a trip to a, I went to the Apollo Theater. There was like a poetry slam going on with mm-hmm. like um like high school kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw that and I was like, yo, this is this is hella dope. Like, you know, maybe I can jump into this since I can't really flow on a beat. And, you know, I know there's a lot of just things that go into music that I feel like I can't tap into, like the cadence, the, you know, mm-hmm. making sure this these lines fit in this one bar and then you know it's just a lot you know components yeah. but poetry is like it's free expression you're not following a rhythm I mean I guess you know some poets do speak with rhythm mm-hmm. but in, in this and the way I do it you know it's not a, it's not a rhythm you just speak what you just say what you want you don't have to rhyme every line you know some lines you can rhyme some lines you can't mm-hmm. and it's always had a like I was always I was always a fan of like wordplay and like you know bars double entendres triple entendres so I remember during 2016, I just started writing in my notepad, like my notes, my notes app, sorry, my notes app. Yeah. Just writing, 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 you know, writing new poetry. I remember like I had this uh, 
IT class in my college. And I remember instead of like actually paying attention to class, I would go to rapgenius.com and just look up lyrics <laughs> and study the lyrics and study the meaning of this lyric, that lyric. You know, I was just so obsessed with words. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I just kept writing, writing 2016. And then the first time I actually got on stage was, um, or the first time I actually performed was like, a, you know, I had I like a small open mic in, in my neighborhood by BX Writers. Mm -hmm. um you know it was like a, a small over that was like about last year around june and the mm. first time i actually performed in front of like hundreds of people was on the poetry me please stage that's run by um Rusty mike um mm -hmm. he gave me an opportunity to bless the sage um i wrote a piece that i was working on for like months when i found out i was going to be a part of that show called mm. black of the berry mm -hmm. well i said i wrote another piece too but that piece i completely like forgot i messed up you know oh, i was kind of embarrassed it's actually it's actually still on youtube which is funny and oh, i kind of no. still watch that video sometimes to humble myself like you know like, yeah. where you, started, you know what i'm saying <laughs> um but no that's that's what inspired me to do spoken word basically hip-hop you know i knew i couldn't flow on the beat but i had a lot of artists like tupac kanye west um lauren hill um yeah. adele you know a bunch of artists who inspired me to really you know, grab a pen and, you know, talk about my everyday, you know, struggles and, you know, just have fun with writing. And, you know, that's when I get on stage, you know, and now I've been performing for over a year now, you know, mm -hmm. it's the one time I feel like the superhero version of myself. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And knowing that my words can have impact and most importantly, make people feel things. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, that that means everything to me. So, yeah, that's basically, you know, my spoken word journey. And, you know, there's still... A lot more stories to come and a lot more, you know, trials and tribulations to come with this. But, you know, yeah. that's how basically the origins of it and, you know, where I am now. That's pretty nice. Like, I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that you were doing it for just a year, like performing. Right. Year. I would not yeah, have yeah. yeah, a lot of people, you know, say that. They're like, oh, you're only doing it for a year. Yeah, you seem and very then, comfortable on stage. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. You know what it is? Um, you know, I just watch a lot of my favorite. For me, I do this weird thing when I go to the gym, right? I don't actually listen. Like, I listen to music on Spotify sometimes. Mm -hmm. But what I love, love listening to is, like, live performances from, like, mm -hmm. my favorite songs. Like, I think, like, sometimes I'll just go on YouTube and watch, like, a live performance, you know? And I, I guess like, I study that a lot. And, yeah. you know, I kind of just implement that into my performances. And then I watch my other performances, like, somebody had, like, recorded me or something like that. And I just look at ways where I can improve. And that's just applied to the next performance. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. It's mm -hmm. funny. I mean, I'm a writer, too, but I'm not a performer. Like, I've I've yeah. always written, like, just a little journaling and all that. And within the mm -hmm. journal, you kind of write prose. And then within the prose, you kind of jump into, like, short form writing, yeah. which is kind of poetry, you know. And mm -hmm. um, college was when I took a lot more heavy um, writing courses at the time. Mm -hmm. oh, really? so, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I took, like, um, a history and poetry class, which kind of allowed me to fall in love with beats beats poetry mm -hmm. because of similar reasons what you said like not, like when you mentioned about like not all poets write in rhythm and not all poets rhyme yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that was kind of what the beats were about they were not about rhyming they were more about like expressing Just yourself right. yeah expressing yourself words, like mm -hmm. you know and like mm -hmm. making the words as flowery as possible and the words itself was the beat <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like yeah. it was like rhyming you know yeah but oh, no. yeah. yeah you kind of reminded me of that like um <laughs> I, I, I probably performed only in high school though like oh maybe, high school okay yeah that's the only time I really performed anything and I think I did a live for mm -hmm. um go magazine and I and I recited a couple of like poems 
but I'm not like I don't like to call myself a poem. I'm just more like I'm a writer. Like I write everything. I, I can write an essay. <laughs> like, oh like, my! Wait, I just did like you ever... words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, mainly like with my friends. I call myself a linguist. I'm heavy uh, on the usage of words. So whether word? like, yeah, whether <laughs> not it comes in like poetry, it, whether or not it comes in like a, a yeah. article or whatever, I'm I, I analyze. I like to analyze words, and I That's love beautiful. like. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I may be a little neurotic about it because I will like, I'm the kind of person that will fix your sentence. Like, do you mean this word? Oh, like, grammatic. I, so, yeah. <laughs> we got spelling check as a person, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't trust me. It's, it's intense. I don't even like when I have typos. It, it pisses me off. But oh, really? <laughs> well, it sounds like somebody needs to come up with a book soon. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. Um, I have a couple of book ideas. I do I I I rather write like short stories. Um, okay. but I do want to challenge myself. And I, I have a couple of sh short stories on like Tumblr. Um mm -hmm. and also some of my, my poetry is on Tumblr. I I've been posting for oh, like dope, years. Dope, dope. Yeah, I've been posting That's for cool. years. And right now I'm I, I feel like right now I'm big on quotes. Uh -huh. um, so I always come up with some kind of quote or whatever that I kind of add to like my mental health bag in a sense. Oh, but, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Uh -huh. But speaking like speaking of mental health, the how does uh -huh. like how does writing and doing spoken words like support your mental health? Oh man, I can go forever about this. Are you sure we only got an hour and thirty minutes? Because I'm about to go <laughs> now. <nah>, let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. It will be the longest no. one. It, oh, it, man. I, I've had an episode that was like an hour and forty five minutes. Oh so, really? So <laughs> I was about to break that record. We're about to break that record tonight. <laughs> that little stuff. Oh no, no. But um, poetry is a beautiful outlet. You know, I I'm you know some. It's crazy because sometimes you know. I'm just trying to figure out how to word this. Like, I think when I'm going through my hardest times and I find, I just pick up my, you know, cause I don't write with my, with my pen or notepad. I go to my notepad, oh, my notes app on my phone. And as soon as I'm writing something, it comes along. I feel so much better after. And the mm -hmm. fact that I'm able, the most, I think the most important to me thing, uh, sorry, the most important thing to me too, is that when I'm able to go on stage and express these things that I'm feeling, like I was, I wrote because I was feeling a certain way. And certain people in the crowd are able to come up to me and say, hey, like, I really felt that. That really hit home for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's the most beautiful thing. And I guess it makes me feel less alone in terms of the feelings I'm having. You know, um, I remember going through, like, the worst time of my life last year. Mm -hmm. um, around this time, like, in the summertime last year, I'm really depressed. And the thing that was there to save me outside of, you know, um, you know, family and close friends and my partner was um, was poetry. And it brought me out of the slums and I was real I was realizing how I was able to express these feelings in such a way where it was just be beautifully put together. Mm -hmm. Um I heard a quote by somebody a while ago and it was like it's so it's so funny how we can make pain sound so beautiful as poets. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, it's been it's been um poetry has been amazing, uh, beautiful um, you know, it's been great to me. And in terms of my mental health, like it's just it makes it makes things a lot easier. I know what to go to. And the piece that you heard, I think the first time you saw me before called mental, you know, it was it's it's, it's funny because at that time in my life I was actually really happy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember I had like a piece written like from like two years ago that I was feeling really sad and I decided to just finish it. And I remember the thoughts I would feel I was feeling at that time. And you know, um it was just crazy to look back at it and be like, wow, I was really feeling this way look where I am now because of poetry, you know? Mm -hmm. So, 
yeah, it's 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 a it basically has saved my life, and you know I have a beautiful relationship with it, and it has done wonders, like you know, with my mental health. Oh, nice. nice. Yeah. Writing does do that. Like, mm -hmm. um, they always say, um, writing is like cathartic. You know, cathartic. Uh -huh. like, yeah, especially without you like exploding physically. So writing kind of has that cathartic feeling too, because it's it's like feelings to paper, but mm -hmm. then. Especially if you write, I mean, typing you could you could type your stuff, but I always go back to old school, like pen to paper kind yeah, of. Yeah, pen to paper. And mm -hmm. your hands are in control of something too, so you're not going to physically like explode and like wall and like like yeah, wall yeah. wind out, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, write, writing is really writing for me too. In my life, has been really healing. Like I'm a, I have like I still have my journals from. When I was like seven years old, like I still have journals. Wow, really? Yeah, like <laughs> I think I took I took journaling more seriously in like fifth grade after watching Harriet the Spy <laughs> because Harriet the Spy. Yeah, because she actually had a diary, so like really? secrets in there, and I was like, oh my god, I could do the same thing. <laughs> I'm also like a hypersensitive person, so I have a lot of emotion. Okay. And growing up, I never really felt safe to ex express, express my emotions yep, of yep. the adults mm -hmm. in my life, mm -hmm. like especially being the youngest one too, and everyone is all adulting and like no mm -hmm. one has time for the, the baby in the house kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, so I I took to writing to to be a safe space for me, but like that's kind of my relationship with mental health too. Like, and now I know how what all of the things that I've observed as a child translated to. But looking back, I could definitely see moments in my life where I I battled with my mental health. You know, like high school was a big moment of that I battled battled with. My yes. Mental health, yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but yeah. like, what was your relationship to mental health? Like, can you even tap into the first time mm -hmm. you notice like your mind and your emotions are just not like everyone else's? Or like, did you? Yeah. Did you ever feel just different in how you processed information? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I could, and like you said, I could go like in hindsight in high school, I didn't realize I was dealing with high level anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. But I feel like as as for rec recently, you know, the the time where I knew I needed help and I needed to reach out, um, I think it was about November of 2020, mm -hmm. November of October 2020. I think I, I was just working the job that I. I was not the biggest fan of. I was being overworked. You know, it was kind of like an emotionally abusive um, workplace. It was a very toxic work environment. And I would get calls even after work hours and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And I remember just feeling so overwhelmed. I really sat, I sat in my room. And for the first time in my life, I called the National Suicide Hotline. Mm -hmm. um, I, don't, I don't know if that's the correct name. I think it's Prevention Line. Um, but yeah. I remember calling calling that line. And I remember I just needed to talk to somebody about how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And I remember during that point in my life, I was really just not taking care of myself, um, just really sad all the time. I was dreading, you know, weekdays. You know, I would like love Fridays. I would kind of hate Saturdays because I knew the next day would be Sunday and I'll have to go back into a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. And that was really like pulling me down. And I think that was the first time in my life that I needed help. And I needed to reach out to someone. I needed a therapist to talk about all the issues that I feel like accumulated from childhood to high school, you know, middle school, all these things. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I want to go back to a previous point I mentioned in high school. I had severe anxiety in high school. And I didn't realize that because, you know, this is not a conversation I have with my family members mm -hmm. or just friends, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. especially as a black man growing up, you know, you're presented these, these hyper masculine ideas of what it 
means to be this these hyper masculine you know figures you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. these gangster rap stars like 50 mm -hmm. cent was the biggest rapper you know what i'm saying um when i was growing i remember when i was growing up 50 cent Mm -hmm. And you got, I don't know, like, I'm just trying to, like, you know, the music I used to listen to, just men just, yeah, like, if you have feelings, you're, you know, you're a P word, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. don't ever express yourself, you know, all these things that, you know, it's going into your subconscious. You might not even believe it yourself, but it's like, it's still in your subconscious, you know? Yeah. So for me, I grew up with that ideology, like, okay, I can't express myself. But I knew deep down, I was like, I'm a sensitive person, you know, I like to talk about feelings. I mean, um, by the end, you're not going to step over me, you know what I'm saying? I know when to, you know, put a boundary mm -hmm. in place, mm -hmm. but- You know, um, I always put up that front that I was that kind of person as well. Like, yeah, I'm tough. I'm big. I don't, I, I don't, stuff don't hurt my foot. You know what I'm saying? You, you put up this, this kind of, this front. And I mean, I forget, I have forgiven myself now because I knew I was, I was young by then. I was a teenager. I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. But I remember having like a lot of social anxiety. I remember avoiding the lunchroom um, mm -hmm. when we could do a lunch. I would literally rather starve myself than deal with you know people in my high school i would like go to the library or something like that or find a classroom to go to mm -hmm. that's how much anxiety i was dealing with in high school not even know it at that point you know at, at that point i was just like yo maybe i'm just lame or a loser but no that was anxiety you were dealing with mm -hmm. and depression like you were really sad yeah and you know now that i'm older now you know like i said i, for I have forgiven myself And, you know, a lot of the times when I have my, you know, because I think when I when I thought I started therapy, that, that's when I think I started seeing things change for myself mentally. And it started like, you know, flooding into my other parts of my life, relationship, um, relationship with my parents, my workplace, you know, and how I just deal with people and then even with poetry. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, I'm just all over the place right now. So I'm no, trying no, to figure out. Yeah. So, you know, when I, you know, when I got into therapy, what I realized was I was always referencing what happened back in my childhood or what happened back in high school. Mm -hmm. uh, I was always going back to like, so I'll, it'll be a moment that something happened to me during the week. And I'll talk to my therapist about it. I'm like, oh, it reminds me about this time I was dealing with this in high school. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, I'm realizing how much, especially for men, we don't realize sometimes or just human beings in general, we don't realize mm -hmm. how much Sometimes we carry the stuff that we've dealt with when we were young into yeah. our adulthood. And yeah. it's stuff that we need to heal from to yeah. this day, you know? And, you know, I get it. It's a process. And sometimes some people don't even want to open up those feelings or those, you know, they want to just kind of just compartmentalize it and just leave it back there and just not deal with it. But there's a lot of unpacking you need to do if you want to change your state of mind and realize, like, you know, a lot of the things you were dealing with, you didn't know any better. You know, I mm -hmm. feel like, Now we're a generation where I feel like we're a gen it's funny because like the way I, we grew up, our generation, our parents didn't know anything about mental health. Mental health wasn't, nope. a, you know, sometimes <laughs> I tell my parents like, hey, you should get therapy. They're like, no, nah, I don't need therapy. I don't, what's that? What's therapy? You right. know what I'm saying? Now I think, you know, we're, we're more open to therapy. And let's, I just want to just give a disclaimer. Therapy is not the end all be all like cure. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. therapy doesn't work for people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So find, but find your way, find your outlet to Make sure you express yourself. But for me, it was a cure for me. You know, it, it, yeah. I don't want to say a full-on cure, but it helped me a lot. Yeah. Um, I feel like our generation now is normalizing these mental health conversations. And mm -hmm. now I, what I'm excited for is the generation that are is coming up now. Now, mm -hmm. mental health conversations is not even going to be taboo when they're growing up like yes. it was for us. You exactly. Know? So, 
actually, I actually also even think like jobs should have in place like a mental yes. health day, day yeah. like a month, like three days a month, or, or like two days out of the month or something like that. You take a mental health day. Yeah. You know? So absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So I love, but so I just want to, you know, my relationship with mental health. You know, I haven't been taking it seriously. You know, I have a therapist that I speak to. You know, bi-weekly on a bi. -weekly. First, it was every week. Now it's bi-weekly, just because I'm such in a better place in my life, and she's mm -hmm. helped me a lot, and. I realized how much of the stuff that she's told me I've applied to my life and has helped me for the better. Mm -hmm. um, but I love how our generation now is taking these things more serious. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I just love that it sets it up for the next generation, you know, the kids or kids, kids, you know. Yes. Um, so that in my relationship, I think mental health is, is a part is a, it should be everyone's number one priority. Cause if it's Definitely. not, if, if that's not right, how is everything in your life, in your life around you supposed to be right? You know, you yep. have to take care of that first. For real, though. That's true. Yeah. So I definitely agree with you on the fact that, like, mental health should be a normal everyday thing that people do. I feel like during lockdown, self-care was a big thing mm -hmm. um, during lockdown, which is part of mental health. But it was never really attached to mental health because... Yeah, yeah. Everyone just saw it as taking spas and like, you know, going on vacation mm -hmm. without, without really like digging deep into really what we need the self-care for. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I feel like people, you know, say instead of dealing with the mental health issues they have, they kind of find these vices and they mm -hmm. kind of masquerade, you know, the they masquerade the, the mental health issues that they're dealing with and just you know, rely on these vices to protect them from that, you know what I'm saying? But it's only so much, it's only so long where you could drink alcohol, smoke weed, or, <laughs> you know, go out and party for, until you have to face your demons and face those things that you need to, you know, take accountability for or face eventually, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, for me, you know, I've seen a tremendous growth from 25 to 26. I just turned 26 a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. But the, the reason why I'm seeing the major growth from 25 to 26 is because I was able to face the issues that I was um, feeling inside. And not projecting them instead of projecting mm -hmm. them onto others, I'm over here taking care of them. And I'm not like I said, therapy is not the end all be all goal. You know, therapy is not the end all be all cure for everyone. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? But it's like, you know, take a time to self reflect. You know, everybody, I feel like sometimes wants to look at every, I, I want to blame this or blame that or put the excuse on, you know, something else on the, on the external factors mm -hmm. without taking a look at themselves. You know, the first step to self betterment is to, you know, look in the mirror. Look at yes. the cracked mirror that you have and fix that, yes. right? Fix it right there. Fix that reflection. Absolutely. And then, you know what I'm saying? Everything will be better. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, they always say, even, like, I mean, I've I, I never been to AA, but mm -hmm. the, watching, like, um AA meetings and, and on television, and they always say the first the first step is admitting that you have a problem. You know, mm -hmm. like, a lot of us mm -hmm. don't don't like to admit. Yeah, yeah. That's have the first, problems. yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and and even for me, like in my self-care, my main self-care is to be really honest about my feelings for mm -hmm. myself, not even yeah. to anyone else first. Like, let me be honest with it and say, you know what? I, I'm really having a shitty day. I don't want yeah, to yeah. like pretend like this day is Everything all Everything is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been shit today. All right. Mm -hmm. Since I woke up and I did my job, yes, I did. But my feelings are still the same. 
And um, but most people don't like to admit that, you know. That's kind of why I I I ask those questions because I'm like mm. questions are always um blown over. Like I just asking someone, how are you? You know, like mm. you really don't want to know how I'm doing. You just want exactly. To know. <laughs> you know, I, I it's funny because I know offline we had like a conversation about small talk and everything like that. Yeah. So I'm like, when you say, oh hey, how you doing? Everybody says good or well. Like you know, you're not doing well today. You know, you kind of. You woke up and you know you didn't feel you didn't feel good. You know it's just it's just sort of, I think that's part of the reason why I, I don't like small talk because I know you're not doing well all the time. I see you every day. I see you in the office. You're doing well. You're not coming. Right. <laughs> you know you're like you're a robot at this point. You know you know. Yeah, exactly. Like I think we have to accept. Um, you know, especially I feel like in the you know African American community, it was kind of taboo to have those you know conversations until I've, obviously lately. But I think we need to understand, too, it's okay to have bad days, bad weeks, bad months. It's yeah. okay. We're humans. Yeah. We're human beings. We're multifaceted. We have multifaceted emotions. Yes. Um, it's okay to feel bad. I think it's just about acknowledging how you feel. And then it's like sometimes you might not even feel bad for a reason. Maybe it might not be no reason attached to it. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's just a, a rush of a feeling. Exactly. You know? I don't know. Familiar with um, the book, The Body Holds the Score, or The Body Knows the Score, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and this book pretty much speaks about how how our body holds a lot of our trauma and our experiences mm-hmm. and our stressors and all of this. I haven't finished it, really? but um, I always refer to that book whenever I, I I've kind of just been like ruminating. Mm-hmm. I'll refer right back to that book to kind of like. Um, understand like oh the reason why I have like um mm. I'm feeling heavy on my shoulder is because my body I, like I've been triggered either by my dream or by a certain interaction um and my yeah, body yeah. is reminding me so yeah, that's yeah. Why my shoulders are heavy right now that's why mm. my like I'm feeling this pain in my side it's because mm. oh shit my body is reminding me to either slow the hell down <laughs> you know oh yeah yeah like relax yourself yeah yeah, yeah. definitely understand and, it, yeah. And don't be so tense you know mm. like um especially growing up in in a in a country and a city like new york you know we mm. always have to like at least for me like with my experiences you always have to have like you know your mm. awareness up like you have to always be aware yes and, yes you know, that is so stressful yes. on the body. And then when you go home, all you could do is just, like, zone out. Yeah, and just, <laughs> you can yeah. You a lot all day, walking around people that you don't you don't know if they're going to, like, flip out. or like. I know. Yo, I feel that. Today I was in the elevator with someone. He had a cane. And I was like, yo, what is he going to do? Like, my anxiety. I felt my anxiety exactly. levels rising. And I was like, you know, if you're on, on alert like that all the time, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. good. And then, also, not- I know you, you mentioned about... um. You mentioned about you know things like your body holding on to something you know mm-hmm. reminding you of something um i remember i reading a book years ago and i forgot the name of it but it talked about how like you know not to get too deep into this but like you know slavery with the stress and you know um trauma that you know african-americans went to run through mm-hmm. it's now we see in african-americans now we have higher adrenaline and cortisol levels mm-hmm. you know so this stress and trauma, it really does carry over. Like generational trauma is a thing, yes. you know. So for yourself, <laughs> when you carry up, when you have these feelings and things like that, you know, 
you have to realize these things can also pass over to your, you know, whether you, you know, you birth, if you're either you decide to have kids or not, it's, it, it can, it's a possibility it can yes. pass over to them, you know? Absolutely. So I think that's why it's, I, it's always, that's why I always like emphasize, like it's important to look in the mirror and unpack all that trauma <laughs> that you might have. Yeah. Just so it doesn't bleed out into, you know, other fact, other aspects in your life, you know, mm -hmm. especially your offspring or, you know, relationship. So, yeah, I think that, you know, yeah. that's my two cents about that. No, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. um, but like specifically, I mean, of course, I, I don't believe in gender, but that's my stuff. And mm -hmm. we, we live in a very genderized world. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. we have to like kind of be, mm -hmm. um, what's what I'm looking for? Like we have to be aware of gender norms and yeah, sure. yeah. and how we've all been cultured in this way yeah. and pretty much socialized in this way. So like as a black man for you, um, mm -hmm. before you kind of got in touch with your mental health, how has like life been for you mm -hmm. um, growing up? I think we kind of touched on it a little earlier too with um, with like mm -hmm. rap and, and hip hop scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then perform masculinity in this way yeah, yeah how has that like influenced your life or even affected you surrounding yeah. mental health yeah um, i'm glad that you asked that question um it was tough tough for me growing up as a man um specifically because i wanted all the successful men i've seen mm -hmm. on television were two things or three things i want to say rapping playing sports or some kind of movie star mm -hmm. so i mean you take out the movie star because i wasn't really interested in that for me when i see these black this is the representation that america has given us as this is what a black man is at its peak that, like these black men get respected the most you know mm -hmm. i never growing up i never saw like a black i never knew what a, a black accountant was or a black engineer mm -hmm. a black lawyer you know this is all i saw so i remember putting myself in a box and saying yo if i'm not a it's like black man that's a successful athlete my life doesn't mean anything like i don't want to do anything else except be a successful athlete i remember i wanted to play football um because like that's the most you know masculine sport you know this is my this is my young self which i like i said i've forgiven myself mm -hmm. i forgave myself for thinking that way well okay this is a masculine sport this is how you know a man is supposed to be i remember mm -hmm. i wasn't you know i was kind of slow and stuff i wasn't the best football player basketball you know now i remember putting myself in a box and saying okay all i want to do is play basketball and make the nba um so as a black man growing up i'm just putting myself in a box where i'm just saying okay i have to be this and if i'm this it's nothing you know i don't know what else to be like mm -hmm. it wasn't looked upon to be a smart black man that just you know was in the books and just very intelligent mm -hmm. you know, cause even because even you when you think about the representation of a person who's black and smart they were usually like considered nerds or dweebs or anything mm -hmm. like that you know I think about the show Neddy Classified with Cookie, or I think about mm -hmm. um, um, what's that show? Family Matters with Steve Urkel. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> I think about oh, there's one more like nerd I was kind of thinking about. I could, could cross my mind, but it just wasn't a good representation to be like black and smart. You know, what I'm saying mm -hmm. and when you when you are black and smart, and it comes from your own people too. It's like oh, you talk white. Like what, what does that mean? You know, know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> oh I can't I can't, you know, oh he think he think he he white folk now. I remember um and to this day I kind of still regret the way I acted, but I remember I I you know I was really like one of the smartest kids in my high school, you know. Um and I remember I got accepted into uh um 
a Columbia University summer program and I was around people that didn't look like me you know so I was the only black person there and I was like yo what am I doing here I don't see nobody that look like me like I was kind of just like no I'm just a basketball player I'm not I'm not this I don't want to be this when in fact like that was an opportunity for me to meet people that are part of different cultures and different you know different areas of the world but I was so stuck on you know what I was taught well or what was stuck in my subconscious is what a successful respected black man is which is a rapper or a person who's um playing sports mm -hmm. um so for me like I said like it, it was tough because you know I feel like I forced myself for yeah I mean I just started I mean, even now I'm still doing a lot of them learning so mm -hmm. it was tough for me because I was like okay if I'm not this I'm not so I took that pressure off myself when I got to college and I got started different exploring different aspects of myself and realizing like yo come here you're not just a basketball player you're a multifaceted person you're good at basketball mm -hmm. you can work out you can also do poetry you can also mm -hmm. go out to party and enjoy yourself you know right. other other things you can do um so, and i just want to come back to this point too i think when i first entered college i went to a pwi it's called lemoyne college it's up mm -hmm. in syracuse a lot of people don't know about about it so i just say hey it's like 10 minutes away from syracuse university mm -hmm. Um, that was the first time I encountered, you know, um, white people. Yeah. So as a black man, now I'm dealing with being fetishized and uh, you know, like, you know, culture vultures, like people who are listening to your music, people who thought it was okay to say the N word around me, you know, I mean, I didn't let that rock. I would like check them about it, but mm -hmm. it was, it was like, now I have this certain image I have to uphold as like what the standard black person is, you know? Mm -hmm. So Throughout my whole life, it was just like an image thing that I was dealing with, like what I should be with within people in my community and people outside of my community. Like I remember one time a girl came up to me, and when I was back in college, and said, "Oh, oh, oh, you, you go here, blah, blah, blah." You know, it was just like small talk. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're on a basketball team? Like that's the first thing she assumed. Wow. Black. I was like, "Wow, I can't just be black and smart and right." And, you know, I could be an accountant, girl. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so I felt like it, it was just a. A big image thing I was dealing with. Now the person I am at 26, I'm happy with who I am. I'm I love what I talk about with my poetry stuff. You know, I love that I'm multifaceted and I don't put myself in a box anymore. But when I was younger, it was that. But even now, as a man, like I said, I don't I don't have it all figured out. There's things I'm still learning. I know you mentioned something that was very important. I think a lot of other black men need to see this as well. The gender thing we're talking about, mm -hmm. right? I think oh, yeah. more, more black men need to be conscious about you have to ask people what's their pronouns because not yeah. everybody believes you know in the gender norms that we set as a society mm -hmm. for me asking like you know what are your pronouns and things like that you know that's something of course i'm learning but i think other black men need to learn this as well like this is mm -hmm. our you know this is the new norm that we're going into you know exactly. um, um and just realizing too because it's it's, it's kind of tough to talk about this um well, I don't say it's tough to talk about this, but I don't, I don't know how people are going to feel about it. But as a black man, too, although we are oppressed by society, you know, and white people and what they do, we're mm -hmm. oppressors ourselves. too. Mm -hmm. So with, you know, women or non-binary people who are in the LGBTQ community, you know, mm -hmm. we're kind of, you know, oppressors of them in a sense. Mm -hmm. and I feel like we fail to realize that as well. You know, um, it really frustrates. And each huh? other. And each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Like a, a dude can't even wear his like paint his nails without another dude Ex calling him a whole bunch of names. Like, exactly. Right. Like, yeah. You know, and then the whole idea of masculinity is defined of how much woman you get or how much you know, that's all like a fault. That's you know, this is the stuff that we that was sold to us. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like it's it's that's that's not come on, that's not that's not right at all. Like, yeah. you know, you talk about I know you said the painting colors or painting nails, and then you know a man or like a real man like quote i'm putting like quotation marks around this a real man gets all the girls and stuff like that mm -hmm. prince was dressing with you know right. had androgynous, androgynous you know attire and was getting way more girls than you you know what i'm saying yeah. so it's like, <laughs> like, fucking, like don't you know like and this is this again it goes about putting yourself in a box as a man yeah. you know what i'm saying like there's other ways you know there, it's a multi we're it's a spectrum of yeah. you know black the black male black male identity and then just black identity in overall like we're not just one monolithic entity there's, yeah. there's different aspects of us and yeah, yeah. so you, I, I don't know I was just like segueing over everything these are just thoughts I have <laughs> no, no, in my it, mind it feels like that, that's, that's <laughs> the, the different experience you know you yeah, yeah, as sure, a black yeah. man you had an experience where you kind of um conformed a little bit and then you yeah, start to sure. explore yourself a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And and that this right now is your black man experience in this country. It doesn't necessarily have to look like anyone else's. Yeah, for sure. It's good that you're able to even expand and grow mm -hmm. uh, and like, like allow the different sides of you to show mm -hmm. and to, to shine. You know, it doesn't always have to be about aggression and like sexual things right. your identity mm -hmm. doesn't always that doesn't only have to fit in those two boxes mm -hmm. there's other sides of you to explore as well even with your taste of food your taste of music like you're exactly. not gonna exactly a hilarious yes. story we're gonna talk about a segue right now hilarious yeah yeah let's go let's get it let's get it yeah yeah we <laughs> all about the segues over here segway, right? segway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i went i recently went on a date with this dude but prior to the date or whatever, um, we were talking about like favorite drinks that, that we like or whatever, and um, he mentioned the fact that he was Caribbean and he he normally loves to drink like like the frozen drinks, you know, like mm -hmm. pina coladas and all of that stuff. But he but he mentioned that they normally would always come with an umbrella in it, and he said he loves to make these kind of drinks for himself, but he won't he won't dare order it at a bar. And I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> but you want you like those drinks? Like, why won't you order something that you like at a bar? And he was like, well, what a man that looks like me. Yeah, exactly. What's the masculine like, thing right? to do? Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I didn't even mean to laugh at his response, but I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, just because of this, like, gender normality, as a, especially being a Black man, mm -hmm. you know, you, you rather perform aggression than perform softness, too. Like, why mm -hmm. why even choose between the two? Yeah, and but so who said an umbrella is in, in a drink was soft? Who even told you that? <laughs> it's an umbrella in a drink. What is it? Like, it's, it's pretty much garnish, okay? Yeah, yeah, talking? yeah. It's, garnish. It's Right, it's to, it's to add a little pizzazz because a drink is a whole pizzazz. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like if, if you're drinking like a martini, you're gonna have olives in it. <laughs> like so, you're drinking a pina colada is gonna come with an umbrella. It's it's a, it's yeah. a holiday drink. Like it's a theme drink. Like, <laughs> but it was ridiculous. I was like, wow, like this 
people still and also I have to remind myself that I do live in a bubble a lot of the people around me are similar minded like you and a lot of people around me um are a little bit more expanded in their in their in the in the way that they express themselves as human beings I have a lot of non-binary friends who are male um Yeah. male male presenting I have non-binary friends who are female presenting Um, Okay, but got it, we got it, all yeah. kind of like flow in the way that they flow and I accept them. And because we are all like this, whenever I interact with people that are not a part of my circle, I'm like, oh shit. Okay. I have to, rem it, it, it was really a wake up for me to be like, you need to get out of your bubble because other people are not living your reality. And in order for you to show compassion, you have to kind of understand where they're coming from and Exactly. not demonize them. Like I, I didn't demonize him for like, you know, not wanting to order The drink, a umbrella yeah. drink at a bar. But I told him, I was like, we will, if you're going to date me, we're going to have to work through that fear, my bro, because I'm not going to have you not being able to order what you really, really want to drink right now. Like you Yeah, have <laughs> yeah. to, like, it, it's, it's also self-care. Like we, you buy yourself favorite things that you like to make you feel good. Like you need to indulge, indulge in pleasure. And if that drink with a freaking umbrella makes you feel like nice inside, get that. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're good, <laughs> you yeah. know? Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, for a fact. But you know, even even without my oh sorry, God, I don't I don't No, mean to no, cut go you off ahead, again. go ahead. Um, I was just thinking about my point earlier, you know, like I want you to so I don't know what the word empathy or symp or sympathy for the brother. Because it's like, you know, just think about what he had to deal with with the, I, you know, and I don't know his, um you know, ethnic background or where he, you know, where he grew up from or, you know, what his parents are. But, you know, just in general, as black men, right, it goes back to us having to, there's this hyper masculine identity we need to have to feel like a man, you know. I feel like we fail to realize, like, okay, there is masculine and feminine energy, right? But I feel like at the end of the day, you have you will have to do what makes you happy. Like, don't forget the norms or anything like that. I think the most masculine or feminine thing to do is to do what makes you happy, right? Yes. No matter, you know, like, no matter the gender or anything like that. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you feel good. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, being this hyper or being, you know, what what's masculine and what's feminine is subjective at the end Yes. of the day. You know Yes. what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, with that drink, you know, I think it's, again, I don't know the brother. I don't, I don't know, you know, um, him at all, his background, but I can maybe like make an assumption that the subconscious thoughts that he grew up with, or like that were like instilled in him of what a hyper masculine man is, is what Yeah. affected him to get a drink. Cause I, I've been there before. And I was like, I think I had like a martini or something like that. I remember Googling like, is a martini a man drink or something like, you know, something like really ridiculous. Like I was like, do I look like a fool doing this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Um, first of so. all, James Bond <laughs> made martinis masculine. mm -hmm. So order your martini, <laughs> shaken, not yeah. stirred. <laughs> But it's like, now that was like years ago though. But like now it's like, I don't care if, 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 if it looks nice, if it tastes good, I'm, you know, I'm going to drink it. But it's Right, like, you know what yeah. I mean. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of binaries, and I, and I, and I think I respect the binaries because sometimes you need those to kind of define yourself. But when people are stuck in the ones that don't fit them, that's when I'm like, you don't need to live this way. You don't need to, Uh-huh. you know, be in a space that does not fit you. You, it's Yeah. best to be the, your most comfortable um, at all times, and more so, just your most authentic. You know, Mm-hmm. I always Yeah. try. to 
push that narrative. Yeah, yeah, I'm just be what makes me so. feel good without caring what other people think, you know. Mm. Or at least, I mean, I'm I'm also trying to rephrase the word caring what other people think because we all do care about what other people yeah, think. Yeah, to an extent, to an extent. Yeah, yeah, it's more so like we're not gonna wear their care like it's ours, you know. Yes, like, yes, I, yes. Leave, you know what I mean? I will listen yeah. to someone's I someone's input. I will always listen to input and criticism, and mm. then I will take it and say which part of it do I feel comfortable with you know and yes, then exactly. I'll, I'll make the final decision based on what they input it you know but I'm not going to take it like it's like a, a golden you know of ch- chalice like it's the end all be all because at the end of the day every every opinion is subjective at the end of the day, right it's, it's subjective so it's like do what makes you happy at the end of the day you're not gonna make everybody happy like, I think yeah. I think I think one big thing I, I discuss this with my therapist as well I say you know you know why I realize I'm happy in life because it's not I don't give a fuck. Like I don't give a fuck, but I the fucks that I do give mm-hmm. are in the right places. It's mm-hmm. with, is within me, and then in terms of the people I take criticism from, those are the same people I would take advice from. So it's okay, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, do what you do. You know, do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, somebody's gonna be like, for example, let's just take this martini drink for example, right? Somebody's gonna look at that and say, "Wow, that's a that's not a really manly thing to do." Like somebody's gonna say that, right? Like, like you know, but then somebody else is gonna say, "Wow, like you know, that's a that's a that's brave and to get a drink that like that, right. or like that's you know, I admire that." You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So it's gonna be it's gonna be people that have opinions all over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if if because if you're trying to please everybody, you're gonna make yourself unhappy. So at the end of the day, Pretty much. yeah, make yourself happy. Do what you want. Don't fall into these norms because at the end of the day, these norms change and everything. All the like, all like the said, time. The the yeah. So like like they're going my... back to Barbie bodies right now. What happened to BBLs? Like look, <laughs> guys. Yeah, Barbie bodies got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Everything flows to this world. And sometimes old things come back around, but then it's all about like, all right, do we want this to be out the rest of our lives kind of thing? Exactly. And some people are comfortable in it because you know it's all they know and the news mm. is always scary. Um, but it takes guts to be vulnerable. It, you, you need to yep. face the scary things in order for you to grow and in order for you to to um advance and expand. But mm. aside from like writing and spoken word and also going to therapy, mm. what other things do you do to like to better your mental health? Exercising, um, going to the gym and biking on weekends. You know, I feel like that has done wonders for my mental health as well. You know, mm. I feel more accomplished. You know, it puts me in a good mood, you know. So I think that's another thing that's really great for my mental health. And just spending time around like friends that I want to be around, you know, mm. like people I want to be around. That puts me in a good mood as well. I always have this thing that I say, like, you know, it takes a tribe, you know, to, to grow. I mean, I'm sure that's like a cliche thing that everybody says, but in my head, like, I really believe in that, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're human beings. We're social beings. We need to be around others. But, you know, mm-hmm. not just anybody, though. Be around other people that make you feel good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, and of course, hold you accountable, but be around people that make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Feel like yourself, you know, and the people you could talk to. Because at the end of the day, as friends, we need to be there for each other. Those are the things, you know, exercising and being around people, you know, friends that I, you know, I admire and I enjoy their company and things like that. You know, that really, um, I want to say that's another way I have um, of like combating the mental health problems I might have is mm-hmm. to, you know, use that as another outlet. 
Yeah, no, that's dope. Mm. That's dope. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good mm. to have friends that kind of like ignite and like activate mm. us in the most positive ways, and not not like those toxic positive ways, but like in a way that we yeah, yeah. the situation feeling like inspired Pretty and sure, feeling yeah. also calm too, because you need to have friends that are able to kind of be there for you when you are facing mm. those triggering moments. Emotions. Yeah, yeah, those hard moments. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Mm. You have friends like that, like in your space? Oh, definitely. Okay, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to kind of um narrow down my friendship um circle because <laughs> I was like, I, I need more quality. Quality over quantity. Like, yep, yep. Yeah, like I'm I'm a big party girl. Like I love going to events. I love like I used to go out seven days a week kind of stuff, you know, but I had to slow that down. Being that I slowed that down, a lot of people fell off. My mental health, seriously, I started to go to therapy and everything. So I really wanted to hammer down on just me and not exerting my energy to everyone else. So I had to narrow down on, like, the quality friends that I had. Yeah, that's important. That, like, I may have not spoken to for years, but they're still there and they've seen me in my worst and I've seen them in their worst. So I definitely narrowed down on my friendship circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also had to challenge myself to really share with the people in my circle. I always say like my misery doesn't like company. When I'm miserable, I really like to be by myself. But even Mm. if I like to be by myself, I should at least tell the people around me that I'm miserable right now. And I never I never used to tell people that. Like I will mm. always just hold that in and or I would disappear for a minute and no one mm-hmm, would hear mm-hmm. me. Yeah, this yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of just letting them know like, yo, y'all, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it low key for a couple of weeks because yeah. I just need to process through some things and mm. um I'll just make sure I, I'm very communicative within my you know, my low key moment. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I had to learn how to communicate that with a lot of my friends too, which helps the relationship too, because we all I'm always that person that people could talk to about these things. I never gave myself the chance to also allow them to be there for me in the same way. So that was mm-hmm. that's kind of what I had to unlearn too. I, I can't be the strong friend all the time, you know? Um, but I mean we're gonna wrap up a little bit because I don't think I have any more questions. But <laughs> do you have any like encouraging last words? And also after that, you could just let people know like where to find you on social media and a website or the whole social stuff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. In terms of encouraging last words, I want to leave, you know, actually I want to piggyback off something you said. I know you said something about being the um, superhero friend and mm-hmm. um, always like having people come to you, but you never had that outlet yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I want to say about your friend, you know, the friend, just uh, people out there whatever friend group you have, right? I know sometimes you might not feel to express yourself or to hold all these feelings. Realize you're you're doing yourself more harm than good, you know, holding in those struggles that you have. You should have people that you can go to, to confide to. And that, even if you don't want to hear their advice, they should just be able to sit there and listen to you. And if you don't have people like that in your friend group, um, you might have to reevaluate your circle. That's one. Because um, I, I felt like I went through that phase in myself in high school. And I remember just not having people that I was, you know, super close. I guess my freshman and sophomore year. And I think that's what led to my depression. I won't say my junior and my senior, I found way better friends that I'm still, you know, friends with now. But one, yeah, that's, you know, you might have to reevaluate your friendship. Mm-hmm. And then two, there's so much bravery in showing vulnerability. I think that's why people even come up to me on stage after I get off stage and I perform a vulnerable piece. They show me so much respect because it's like, yo, that takes so much bravery to do. Mm-hmm. realize like you know you thinking that you're soft and you know oh i'm not like for especially for my black men out there you know um oh i'm soft or i'm not fitting the ideal of what a masculine man is supposed to be 
the most masculine thing you can do is actually express yourself mm-hmm. and express what you're feeling. You don't know how much weight is going to be lifted off your shoulder mm-hmm. after you um express yourself. That's the last message I just want to leave off with. Like it's, it's it's okay. We're all human beings. None of us are perfect. Don't let these social media norms and people showing their certain lifestyles and they think you know they think you think they're happy all the time. That's all cap. We all go through emotions. We all get sad. We all get depressed. Mm-hmm. What it's all yeah. about is unpacking all of that. Definitely. You know that's the that's the number one to self-improvement and be having, I don't want to say happy because happy is emotion. Yeah, happy is an emotion that, you know, eventually fades just like sadness. Mm-hmm. But to reach, to be joyful and to mm-hmm. have satisfaction in your life, they look at the mirror and really heal and unpack the trauma that you've been through, you know? If you want, y'all can follow me on Cash App. No, I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, give me a cash uh-uh, No shame. Put the cash app in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, right. my, my social media. So I think Twitter and Twitter and TikTok is King Camillera. So it's K-I-N-G-K-A-M-A-Y-E-R-A. My Instagram is the same thing, just with a dot between the King and the Camillera. So k-i-n-g dot k-a-m-a-y-e-r-a you can find me on those platforms um my cash app is the same too if y'all want to bless a brother but um no just just joking get paid no this is fine but um like i said my social media is king.comayera that's where i post most of my poetry stuff my events what i have upcoming you know you can feel free to reach out to me there and then you know Mm -hmm. twitter I'm not on TikTok like that, but I'm trying to build that up. So Twitter yeah. and TikTok, same thing. King Kamayer without a dot. And yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, well, h- hang tight, but thank yeah. you so much. And oh, we'll check y'all later. Yes. I appreciate you having me a part of this um, platform, by the way. It's much appreciated for real. For sure. That was my conversation with King Kamiyara, and I hope that conversation either made you feel proud like myself or it just opened your eyes to the perspective of Black men. I know sometimes, especially as women, especially as Black women, and our experiences with men, we tend to not have a lot of grace for them and we tend to have a lot more resentment and we want them so badly to get help so that we are not harmed by the crossfire of the way they are digesting their own trauma and experiences in this world. But I do want to challenge us to show them grace while still holding our space and boundary away from them until, at least until, they have in system something that helps their mental health. Remember to always protect your energy. Remember to create boundaries. Remember to show grace and compassion while doing these things. The more compassion you have for yourself, the more grace you want others to give you would be the same that you are capable of giving others. But thank you again for being here. And I'll be preparing for season four as the months go by. I'm not going to rush into it because I'm trying to really not rush into things out of pressurizing myself. But I do have a game plan for what season four is going to look like. So keep connected with me on my social media and I'll check you guys later. Bye.
Thank you so much for listening and sharing space with me today. I hope this episode served you in your journey. And remember to take care of yourself and your mental health because you all deserve it.